The night the angels came, announcing peace to those with whom God is pleased. They couldn't have broken the quiet land in a more unexpected way. Hosts of angels lighting up the sky, trumpeting the good news, shattering the silence with praise and glory to God. How else would a Messiah be announced? Except instead of riding the white horse dressed in royal robes, we found you on the outskirts of a crowded town. Given the last remnant of space, wrapped in a leftover cloth, and the least regarded citizens, lowly shepherds gathered under a dark sky, were charged with the glorious announcement of your birth. This is the peace that passes all understanding, the promise of a different kind of life offered with shalom, freely offered to build bridges between our lives and your kingdom in the most extraordinary ways. Amen. Well, good morning to you. Yes, my name is Paul Fowler. I serve as our Lake Forest campus pastor here. I am so glad that you are all here with us. Special welcome to those of you that are visiting us here today. Would love to have you back next week. Our senior pastor, Mike Woodruff, will be speaking. Would love for you to hear from him as well. So our Advent theme this year is The Weary World Rejoices. And my guess is that for some of you here today, you are locked into that. It's been a long, weary year coming out of this pandemic, coming out of everything else you've gone to. You are ready to rejoice. You're so excited for everything that this season brings. Perhaps since November 1st, you've been listening to all the Christmas music every single day, no matter what else anybody thinks. My favorite song that I love to hear each year is All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. I've always wanted to be the bass player on that song. I don't play the bass, but man, that guy's having a good time, whoever's doing it. Perhaps it's all the Christmas movies that you're watching that give you so much joy for the season. There's so many movies and sequels and remakes and which Scrooge is better, so you got to watch like two movies a day to really make it through all the fun ones. Maybe it's the presents and it's the shopping and everything you get to do for the kids and the family. It gives you such joy to give during the season. You're ready to rejoice. The parties, the food, all the different things that we have during this season. You might have been weary, but you are ready to rejoice. For me, I think of this season often as uh, Christmas Eve at my family's house. We always gather at my grandma's house. But I was always so excited that it was hard to sleep on Christmas night. Not that Christmas Eve was boring. Christmas Eve was excellent. There was plenty of ham and cheese soup and potato soup that I tried to eat as much as I could. There were so many cookies and crackers and other snacks. I tried to eat as much of that as I could until I got in trouble. Uh, there was this weird thing covered in nuts that was called a cheese ball. I never knew what it was. Then I ate it. Changed my life. Now I try to eat as much of it as I can until I get in trouble. Um, then my uncle and my father would make this incredible punch. It was sherbet, and it was 7-Up, and you know, I was only supposed to have one, maybe two. I tried to have as much of it as I could until I'd get in trouble. You're noticing a common theme, my poor parents. But I was just so excited, and then we pass out all the presents, and it was so fun to see what I got and then what my siblings got, because when we get home, they're going to have to share with me because I'm their brother. And so then my parents would take me home and say, all right, go to bed. But I was so excited because of everything that had just happened. Christmas Eve, it was hard, even though I knew Christmas was going to be just as amazing. 
So perhaps that's you. You are just feeling the joy of the season. You remember the past Christmases and you're so excited. But my guess is that there's some of us here today that we get stuck at the weariness. It's been just too long and difficult of a year. Things that you're going through, maybe it's, it's work, maybe it's the economic outlook, whatever that is for you, that you're just weary. Perhaps for some of you relationally, for those of you with kids, it's, maybe it's been a difficult year for your kids. Maybe it's been a difficult year for your parents. Whatever it might be, I know some of you here that have lost relationships or those that have had someone pass. And so even though the world seems like they just want to rejoice and celebrate, it's just been a weary and difficult year for you. Well, that's why it's so important that we had the Advent season. This is a time for us to remember Christmas and why Christ has come. And that's why our theme is the weary world rejoices because our hope is that each week as we look at the different Advent candles, faith, hope, love, joy, peace, that you will have a reason to celebrate this Christmas, refreshed and anew. So today the candle that we're talking about is peace. And so, wow, that gives you cause to rejoice today, peace. Because you're probably saying, Paul, are you crazy? Have you looked at the news? Look what's going on in this world, in Ukraine and other places around the world. Where is peace? Look at all the things that are happening, conversations of a Cold War long past, perhaps, things that are happening in our country, the, the politics and the battles between different ideologies. Where is peace? You probably don't even have to look very far, perhaps in your own home. I know my kids can fight over who left the fridge open. Where is peace? What is happening in this world? And so when we come to Christmas, for me to say to you, rejoice because there's peace, you're probably saying, yeah, I don't see it. I don't get it. Well, that's why I think it's so important for us to have Christmas because it's a time when we understand what it means when we sing in the song that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So today, if you will turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 8 through 12, if you don't have a Bible, there's a pew Bible right under your seat, page 682 that you can turn to. And this is, yes, four chapters. So if we do about a chapter an hour, I think I can get you out of here sometime around 1 p.m. Um, I don't have enough time to go through this verse by verse today, but I encourage you to read the, to watch the devotionals this week. Sign up for those if you're not getting them. We're going to consider a chapter each week. But what we're looking for as we look at the prophet of Isaiah is perhaps you know Handel's Messiah. There's verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 6. It's for unto us a son is given, a child is born, and the government will be on his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, the Everlasting Father. And then it ends, the Prince of Peace. Now, if you've heard Handel's Messiah, you know that they just sing that over and over and over again. And if you haven't read the rest of Isaiah chapter 9, it's because it would not be a great Christmas song. They're not going to play it on Light FM because it talks about judgment and destruction and difficulty. So what is going on here? What does it mean when the angels say, peace on earth, goodwill to men on the night that Jesus is born? And you have Isaiah the prophet saying, the prince of peace has come. But did something go wrong? Is something broken? Well, my hope is today that as we look at Isaiah chapter 8 through 12, you will have reason to rejoice, but it requires that you understand the story of salvation that centers around Jesus Christ and what it meant that he came to earth, that the Prince of Peace was born. So if you're looking at Isaiah chapter 8 today, and I don't have time to walk through this, but if you were to scan through it, you'll see that it's the time in Israel where there's a lot of difficulty. 
You see, the prophet Isaiah was speaking to a people that had rejected God. This is long after King David and King Solomon, who were those that were mostly following God and what they were doing. And so because of Israel's rejection of God, they were about to go into a time of difficulty and exile. And so the prophet Isaiah is explaining what is going to happen. And I think we can see what best it looks like for the world at this time, a world before Christmas even existed, in verse 21 and 22. It says, Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged, and looking upward will curse their king and their God. Then they will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness." You see, in a world before Christmas, a world before Christ has come, we have the people of Israel walking around in darkness. But for those of us that know the story of Christmas, we know what comes next. So look at verse 2 there in chapter 9. It says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. What's interesting about this verse is this is the verse that Jesus mentions in Matthew chapter 4 after he'd been baptized and he's about to become, he's about to begin his preaching ministry. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. That is Jesus Christ. John 1.1 1, 1 says the light came into the world. That is Jesus. That's what he came to be. And so a few verses later, we have verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So the Prince of Peace has come. Light has come. That's what Christmas is. It's this incredible time where human history has changed and God is now with us. But what comes next? Is everything good and okay and all right? Is there not still sin and brokenness? Well, look at chapter 10 on the next page there if you are following along. Actually, first, I want to turn your eyes to chapter 9, verse 13, because what we know happens next after Jesus was born is that he lived on earth, he preached, he was the light, but we know they rejected him and that he died on the cross. So what we see in chapter 9, verse 13 and 14 is this, but the people have not returned to him who struck them, nor have they sought the Lord Almighty. So the Lord will cut off from Israel both head and tail, both palm branch and reed in a single day. You see, Isaiah is already talking about the time after Christ was born when he, Jesus would be rejected, when they would put him on a cross and he would die for our sins. So what's fascinating as we're looking at Isaiah chapter 8 through 12 here is we're seeing we're right on plan. We're right on schedule. This is exactly what God knew was going to happen. And what we see next in chapter 10, as, as I was referring to, look at verse 1 through 2. Woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold them from justice, the oppressed of my people, making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless. You see, this is the world that we live in today. We don't have to look far around the world to see that there is injustice, there is brokenness, there is widows because people die, there is fatherless because there is brokenness. That is the world that we live in. You see, the plan wasn't that Christ would come and then everything was going to be great and we're all going to be fine. Unfortunately, the story of Christmas is that even though the light has come, there still is sin here on earth. There still is suffering and pain and difficulty. Now, we can look at that and say, well, why not? Why don't you deal with this once and for all? Well, 
perhaps we would never be here. But this is the world that we live in. So what comes next? Well, look at chapter 11 on the next page there. Verse 1, a shoot from Jesse will come up. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. I'll stop here to say, who is that he? You see, this is Isaiah looking past our time when Jesus will come. Again, that's the entire story of Christmas that we're trying to understand here. It continues on at the second part of verse 3. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. What's so interesting there in verse 3 and 4, it says that he will judge the needy. There, there will be justice for those that are poor. Meaning that one day, all the things that were made wrong in Isaiah chapter 10, the injustice, the brokenness, and all the suffering in this world will be made right, not today, but when Christ comes. Again, that's what we are looking forward to. When Jesus comes back and there will be judgment, there will be justice, and there will be no more brokenness and sadness. Look what comes next in verse 6. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea." Now, I'll say that sounds crazy. What does that even mean? The wolf with the lamb and a kid with snakes. This makes absolutely no sense at all. This is a bit weird, but that's because it's hard for us in this world to even imagine what peace could look like. Imagine a world where there is no pain and suffering and there is no more death and sorrows. That's this weird, indescribable world that Isaiah is trying to tell his people who have not even seen Christ come, is one day to come again. A message for people like us that are sitting here saying, why is there injustice and brokenness and why do I suffer and why is there pain? That one day Jesus will come and make all things right again and there will be peace. That's the plan. So what is the response of Isaiah? And I think this is helpful for us as we look at chapter 12. Look at verse 1. In that day you will say, I will praise you, O Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away, and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. And with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. You see, that's why we rejoice at Christmas. Is because our salvation is here. That's the entire story of Christmas. I'll resummarize here for us as we've kind of walked through this quickly is the prophet Isaiah is telling the people who have yet to see Christmas, who don't even know who Jesus Christ would be and what he would do, that one day the light is going to come. We know it's dark right now. We know it's difficult now, but the light is coming. 
And what comes next after the Prince of Peace is born? Yes, there is still difficulty. Yes, there is still brokenness, but now salvation is here. That's the benefit for those of us here on this side of Christmas. We know who Jesus is and what he did. We know there is salvation for us, but yet we still have to walk through these difficult days. But the prophet Isaiah continues into chapter 11 where, yes, we know he will come again. And this crazy world that makes no sense with wolf and children and lions and lambs will all happen when there is peace for eternity. The story of Christmas is also looking ahead. And that's why we can have joy. Because we have to understand what it means that the Prince of Peace is born. And it's not just looking back, it's also looking ahead. So a few application points as we try to wrap this up. What am I trying to say? How do you really rejoice during this season? Well, the first one is this. We look back with joy because the Prince of Peace was born. For us here today, we look back with joy because the Prince of Peace is born. That's what the story of Christmas means for us. That's why we celebrate it each year. It's an opportunity for us with joy to understand that now salvation is here for us. Romans says that therefore now we have peace with God. That's the peace that Jesus came to establish. For us is peace with God before we were sinful and we did not know him and we were far from him. But Jesus came and said, I'm here to die for you. I love you. It's our hope here that uh, as we celebrate Christmas that that is your faith, that that is your belief, that you come to a place where you have joy because, yes, you are saved. Yes, you know that Jesus died for you. Yes, you know where your future will be. Is that your belief? That's the story of Christmas. We look back with joy that the Prince of Peace was born. The second part is this today. We bring peace when we live as Christ in this world. We bring peace when we live as Christ in this world. I don't know about you, but it is very easy for me to look at the news and just be so sick and tired and frustrated of all the pain and suffering that people have to go through in this world. Why are there refugees that have to flee their country? Why do they have to walk for thousands of miles, kids, families, mothers, just so that they can survive and exist? What is wrong with this world? Why do people treat each other so coldly? Why are they so mean to each other? Why do we live in a place where we fight over things rather than being united together? What is wrong? Frustrated, I'm angry, I'm weary. But then I look in the mirror at myself. And I realize, do I not do the same things? How easy it is for us to be those that don't bring peace because we get angry, we get frustrated. I hurt those around me. We, we continue this place where there is no peace because it's so easy for us to be selfish, so easy for us to think about our needs and what's important for us and what is best for us rather than looking out for others. That's what gives us cause to rejoice at Christmas is because Jesus came and said, no, I'm here for peace. Jesus didn't come down and say, you're bad and I'm done with you. He came down and he said, you're bad, but let me die for you. And so Jesus turns this whole thing around and that's what we celebrate at Christmas where forever, and Jesus says this, you have heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, but Jesus says, no, we now turn the other cheek. 
Jesus didn't need to come down here and be with us. He was the king of the universe, had everything he wanted, but somehow he loves us. Turns it into this place where he's like, I'm going to wash the feet of you. I love you. I will die for you. And if Jesus can do that for us, can we not be those that love and serve others? We have to bring those that bring peace when we live as the Prince of Peace. So we look back with joy that the Prince of Peace was born. We bring peace when we live as Christ in this world. And the final point is this, that we look forward to the day when the Prince of Peace will return. What I think is helpful for us is as you are in perhaps a weary season in your life and there's so many people celebrating Christmas and you're going through difficult times in your life still, my encouragement to you is Christmas is also a time that we have to look forward. We have to understand what the ending is for us, that Jesus is going to come again and make all things right to deal with the injustice and deal with the brokenness and there will be no more sorrow and death and suffering. Perhaps you could say, well, then why hasn't he already come already? Why do I have to go through these things? Why does it have to be this way? Well, what I think the blessing for those of us that stand here uh, on this side of Christmas, we had the validation that God is who he said he is. You see, if we had no Christmas, we could be those that are wandering around in the darkness, holding our Bibles and hoping someday that maybe this all will turn out to be true and right. But yet at Christmas, we can look back to the birth of Christ and say, I know he came once. I know he turned this world around. And so we look forward saying, I know he'll come again. That God is who he said he is, that his word is true and that his love is real and that it sounds crazy what the future might look like. But it's an eternity with him, the one who loves us most. So yes, we look back with joy, that the Prince of Peace was born. We bring peace on earth in the way that we live, and we look forward when the Prince of Peace will return. So perhaps for you, you are like my Christmas memories, where you're at the place, you're just so excited for what comes next. It's Christmas. That's what we look forward to. But my hope is that as you understand the story of, story of salvation, you'll, you'll be like my young mind that said, Christmas Eve was great. Christmas is great, but I know what's coming. I know what's next. And I know the night is long, and as it seems like it's hard to keep moving forward through the difficulties of life and how much we have to press on, but that's the joy of Christmas. We bring peace in how we live. We look back to peace came to us, and we look forward that we will have peace through eternity. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you came down because you love us. God, forgive us that we are not always those who bring peace in how we live. Help us to know the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to look forward to the day that you will come and make all things right. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.